Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Straight out of Austin, Texas, it's On Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com, with your hosts, Statesman Sports Columnists, Cedric Golden and Kirk Bowles. Often imitated, never duplicated. Hear it here first on Second Thought. On Second Thought, episode 199, brought to you by Hook'em.com, our good friends at Bud Light. My name's Cedric Golden, and I'm joined as usual by the man, the duck, Kirk Bowles. And wow, duck, I did some, I did a little research. Our our, uh, illustrious guest appeared on episode 102, so... Uh, I can't believe it took us 90-something episodes to get him back, but he is the legendary voice of the Texas Longhorns, Craig Way. What's up, C-Way? Had it really been 90 episodes, I didn't think that was far enough, enough separation there, but 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 I'm, I'm more than happy to be back on with you guys again. We're going to cut that down. It's going to be about every 20 episodes at most. So You're, assu- you're assuming we're going to have another 20 episodes. How, well, hopeful, go- how hopeful of you, Kirk? We are going on forever. So I want to ask you, Craig, this has been such a wild Longhorn football season. Are you, how do you not get hoarse from all the screaming on all so many wild plays? Well, I get, I get pretty excited. By the way, the noise you hear, there, there's, there's people right outside doing some, um, some work right outside nearby. So, so excuse cool. that if it happens. That's but, called um, local color, Craig. That's local that's, color. Yeah. That's an ambient noise, right? Um, <laughs> Uh, I, I do get asked that from time to time. People say, how do you uh, keep your voice going the four overtimes and this and that? And, and here's what really gets it, Kirk. It's, it's less about uh, the excitement of it, although that can kind of push the envelope a little bit. Of it. Uh, it's more just the continual. Our, our, our regular broadcast, we have an hour pregame. Then the game, you know, is in the neighborhood of three and a half hours, and we have our, our postgame. So, it, you know, it, it turns out to be about five and a half hours on network air, off and on, and every, you know, lots of different voices on it. But in the Oklahoma game, we get to the point, and we have a point in our broadcast log where we, uh, you know, you hit your last break. Well, we hit our last in-game break with about four minutes to go, I think, in the fourth quarter. Oh, no. 31-17, <laughs> you know, so that happens there. And then, of course, it goes on, and the format at the time – wasn't built for breaks at the end of regulation and overtimes. So we just stayed on the air and we went, uh, Roger Wallace and I and, and Quan Cosby went an hour and 15 minutes solid without a break. Now I did feel it at the end of that. And so <laughs> we had conversation with the producer and, and they, they've got it built in. So fortunately in Stillwater last weekend, I was able to take a break before the start of overtime. So it was, it worked out pretty well, but I, you know, to answer your question, I, I try to do, um, uh, a lot of water, yeah. not much, 
uh, caffeinated, carbonated beverages on the throat. It kind of throws some syrup on the vocal cords if you do that. So I try to stick with that and some herb tea and things like that, preventative measures okay. and get as much rest as possible. That makes a difference. I was going to say, we need to get you an endorsement with throat lozenges. <laughs> that would work. And we have, we have a ready supply to boot. Or, or, or you, you can uh, put in for the uh, new host of the Jerry Lewis Telethon. They never have commercials. So I think you can do that, Greg. I mean, you can go like a telethon. Texas plays West Virginia this weekend. Uh, oh, they're yeah. both four and two. They're both three and two in the Big 12. The Big 12 is dead in the CFP argument. Let's keep it real. They, they, they never liked the Big 12 to begin with. And after the Big 12 loses its undefeated, that gives them a reason. So, um, what are you seeing, Craig, from the Longhorns in these last couple of games? They've got a little success going. Are they going to be able to keep it up against a not a very good road team? Here's what I said. Here's what I think. I, I, I see a lot of what a lot of other folks see, and that is uh, no quit in them. Uh, they do work. They do grind, uh, sometimes in spite of themselves with with some of the mistakes that are made and the penalties and things that have been well documented. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Uh, they do grind and they do work very, very hard. To your point about uh, with regard to the Big 12, a lot of times the Big 12 isn't uh, isn't up to snuff as well. I think the key there is taking advantage when you have the opportunity to win a game. They didn't do that, unfortunately, in the TCU and Oklahoma games, and it cost them. But the opportunity is still there down the stretch. If they handle their business, maybe they can play their way into the Big 12 title game if they do that. But in order to do that, obviously they've got to cut down more on the mistakes. They have to continue to grow as an, uh, an offense a little bit more. And the defense, if they keep playing that well, if Joseph Osai keeps playing like that, wow. Then, uh, wow. then maybe they got a shot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Joseph Osai has really raised the level of his play and the expectations to go with it. Uh, they got West Virginia coming in here. In some ways, are they a mirror image of Oklahoma State with a balanced offense and a pretty good defense, Craig? And a good running back. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, Letty Brown is a good running back. And, in fact, Chris Ash said he, he's very familiar with him, uh, recruited him when he was at Rutgers, and, and, and he knows what he could do. I think uh, uh, the, the, the similarities are there in terms of how they run the offense, but – uh, there, there's divergences clearly in quarterback play. Spencer Sanders much more mobile, obviously, than what you'll see from Jared Dagey. Now, when Dagey played at Lubbock Cooper, he he had what my friend Rod Babers likes to call functional mobility. <laughs> he could get out of the pocket and roll around and find a receiver and stuff. But he's not the running threat no. that Spencer Sanders is. But uh, but I I do think they have a solid running back. Not of the Chuba Hover variety, but I think Letty Brown can do that. And so, yeah, they can hurt you, they, and the, they'll take some deep shots. So we know the the uh, the challenges the Longhorn secondaries have. The guys on the corners, they're going to get pushed again out uh, on the outside. I don't think there's any doubt. Well, you know what, Craig, a, a big uh, a big subject uh, that's been brought up the last couple of weeks, and we're we're past the midway point. Sam Ellinger's banged up. Um, there's no other way to slice it. He is a tough, tough kid. I mean, he is he is tougher than a number two washed tub. We 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 heard that. Why do they keep running him? Is it? I mean, uh, because w- what we're seeing now is Bijan Robinson is finally starting to show why he's a five star. Uh, I know Keontae's not going to play. Roshan is capable. And at the beginning of the year, Duck, remember I wrote this, they'd be smart to not run Sam as much, but they have. 
is he that big an integral part of that offense where they just have to run him? Or is it one of those RPO things where Sam is going, I'm taking the ball and running it here? What do you think? I think it's a little bit of all of that. And I think they and I think the situation is what's calling for it, depending on where they are in the game and what they need. Now, some of that Sam is doing on his own. And to your point about uh, the injuries, what he is going through right now physically reminds me, and I think both of you guys will remember this. Remember what Jordan Shipley looked like after games, like in 05, uh, 06, 07, 08, 09, in that time. I always remember Roger Wallace was on the sidelines for us in those days, and our old pal Keith Moreland was in the booth with me. And after the OU game in 08, uh, we had both of them go downstairs because he had two different interview areas. And old Red comes back up to the booth. Keith comes back up to the booth shaking his head. He goes, that kid is one solid bruise. His body was just black and blue all up and down with all the hits that Jordan Shipley was taking back in the day, and to a lesser extent, Colt McCoy as well. And I think Sam is experiencing some of that because defenses know they're teeing off. And visiting with Tony Caridi, the West Virginia play-by-play voice, he said that the number one thing that worries him, he thinks the number one thing that worries Neil Brown, the number one thing that worries West Virginia is number 11. They're, they're just, just Sam Ellinger. And so I think in a similar vein, teams are just gearing up, zero in on that dude. Let's make him ineffective, if not knock him out of the game. Yeah, I asked uh, uh, Mike Yurcich about that. And about Tony Fields, a really good middle linebacker who transferred from Arizona. So they may have some Brendan Scooter uh, stories there. But uh, And he said uh, that, yeah, Tony Fields spies on quarterbacks. And he said, we'll probably be dealing with that with Sam. I did think they ran the ball less by design, let ran Sam less yes. than they have before. So I don't know if that's a product of being beat up or design where we got to protect this guy. We got to keep him upright, don't we? You know, my yeah. thing is this, guys, and, um, you know, you, you hear the Tebow comparisons. Sam Ellinger is a better passer than Tim Tebow was. No, my- and so Sam doesn't have to run. Tebow had to run. If Tebow was not a running quarterback, Florida does not win national championships. They just don't. And yeah. so Sam doesn't have to. But the question is, does Sam do it because Sam's such a competitor? Because I, what I see from Sam is I'm going to get this six points and I'll, I'll ask questions later. I wish I saw that on the goal line against TCU. Kirk, I tell you, I was uh, – I, I was I, – I, I was that was infuriating for Keontae to run seventy one yards and then get a handoff on the goal line. Given yeah. his history, given his history, that's yeah. that's a le- number eleven type. Remember the Sugar Bowl, Sam Ellinger first and goal, boom, no game. Sam second and goal, boom, no game. Sam touchdown. That's that's how you win. You put the put the ball in the hands of your best player. I think he, into uh, what you guys are saying, I think they are calling fewer quarterback power uh, runs, but on the on the zone reads, on the RPOs, he's making that decision, especially, again, down distance, third and short, fourth and, fourth and short, when he's they go for it fourth, goal line, he's going to go ahead and keep it in a lot of those. Mm-hmm. And, and that'll lead to some punishment as well. But that's Sam in a nutshell. Yeah. That's just the way he's going to roll. And he's Can't gonna, change him. Gonna, yeah. No, no. And I don't think the coaching staff really wants to change that desire in it. Right. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think if he may be the most physical quarterback they've ever had. Tyrone Swoops was a load to bring down when he ran, ran those plays. But uh, 
I wonder too, you know, he hasn't been as accurate on his deep throws uh, like he has in previous years. I don't know if that's a product of kind of injuries and being battered and not having the experience of a Colin Johnson or Devin Duvernay. You got any opinion on that, Craig? I think it's a combination of a lot of things. Uh, one, I think the calf injuries made it more difficult for him to step into throws. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, also, I think it's been more challenging for several of their receivers to, and, and this has been well chronicled and documented, uh, to be able to get off the, the line and be able to get open. And sometimes it's a timing play and, mm-hmm. and the ball is just overthrown or it might not be, uh, the receiver might not be in the position where they normally hit it in practice uh, right. when they do it. So I, I think it's a, a combination of factors. I don't think there's any one reason that that's brought down the completion percentage or made it more difficult for him to connect with his receivers. I love, I love that you said that the receivers aren't getting off, off, off the line of scrimmage because Brian Davis asked Sam on Monday, uh, yeah, were they, were they rolling the safety over to Josh Moore's side? I mean, he didn't have that many targets. And Sam was, no, they weren't, they weren't. So that was, that was telling, you, man. Yeah, and you guys know Joshua Moore. If you talk to him, he'll tell you, I got to do a better job. I got oh, yeah. to do a better job getting open. I, I've got to shake that guy. I've got to get open across the middle or deep or run in the post or whatever it is. I just have to do a better job hearing Joshua talk. He talked about that in the post game the other day. We were talking about the one catch there for the touchdown. He said, yeah, it was one. He said, I got, I got to do a better job in that. Yeah, they don't well, have that alpha receiver like they did with Duvernay. Jake Smith, maybe he becomes that, but there's only one Duvernay, and he was one of the best in school history. But that probably hurts him a little bit. Like, you know, Brennan Eagles catches some big passes, Josh Moore in the past. Jake Smith, hopefully he's coming on. But, you know, we always wonder if their rotation is too big. You know, you got Kai Money. You, you just go on down the list. Brendan Schooler. What are your yeah. thoughts, Craig? Well, and, and, and I'll tell you, when um, – I think maybe the rotation, I know this sounds crazy, you get a guy back from injury and your rotation tightens a little bit, but I think with Jordan Whittington returns, and I know that's a big waiting for Godot moment. We keep talking about <laughs> that. But, uh, but uh, assuming he returns healthy maybe for the Kansas game, then you, I asked Mike Yersich, can you have them both on the field at the same time? Uh, Jordan Whittington and Jake Smith, he said, occasionally, but that basically makes you 10 personnel. Not so much that, that, that that's their speed, but, he, but you can also put uh, Jordan into the backfield as a running back, and then it's more like 20 personnel. Right. So you can kind of do that in a way. So I think they'll do that, but some of that. But at this point in the season, the old uh, you are what you are uh, mm-hmm. factor comes in. They just feel like they got to do a better job at being who they are. Right. Well, Craig, I know we, we, we all know you got a daily show on, on, on 104.9, The Horn. And uh, you hear from fans. Uh, we all do. Tom Herman is what twenty nine and seventeen now at Texas. Um, how much? How much criticisms do you hear in your day, daily travels? You're one of the most recognizable people in our city. You can't go out to eat without someone stopping you. Are you hearing a lot of criticism of of, of one Thomas J. Herman? Well, the areas where you hear it more are the areas where you would expect to hear it more, and that's on doing a radio show. Mm-hmm. So we have a text line. You know, radio, of, of course, is, has morphed these days more of just uh, taking reading text or talking about text or emails or things like that and less about actual taking calls. Well, your demo, your, your demo doesn't like talking on the phone. Your, your, de- your demo is a text message demo. I mean, 18 exactly. to 35, yeah. Right. So that's where you would see it from 
uh, you know, from from fans who might be unhappy. Now, a lot of those fans are to quote our our, our good friend, the, the late great Sean Adams, the keyboard gangsters. So you'll get you'll get ones out there that could Loved that uh, you know can hide behind that wall or whatever, and and can just let it fly because all it comes up is a is a text phone number. It's not a name identifying to it. Uh, so there's there's some of that, but I think that's it's like that in in college programs across the country. I'm, I'm good friends with, with several uh, different play-by-play guys. The, the, the guys in the Big 12, we all have a group text, a play-by-play group text of all in the Big 12. Uh, nice. Rod Babers calls us the secret society of play-by-play guys. <laughs> I don't know that it's that secret, but we, but, but we share a lot of stuff. And, and in every venue, there's like that. You wouldn't think it'd be like that in Oklahoma with Lincoln Riley? Trust me, it is. Uh, the folks will find reasons to complain. Uh, same thing in Stillwater or, or K State or whatever. It doesn't, you know. Fans are fans, and I and I, I think the coaches kind of they get that, they understand that, uh, and nobody wants them to win more than themselves and, and those that are close to it. But I, I think they know it's part of the deal. I'd like to hear more about the secret society. Is there like a secret handshake? Do you wear a ring or? <laughs> Rod claims that it's some sort of like weird thing, like out of eyes wide shut or something. And we all wear masks <laughs> at some party behind closed doors. And I said, none of us are that creative. None of us are that interesting. None of us are that compelling. So no, we do get together for dinner the night before the big 12 basketball tournament in Kansas city every year. Like did we get together? on Tuesday and we do about an hour and a half where it's uh, kind of a workshop where you get, yeah. we're give and take on ideas and stuff. And then it's just dinner and swapping lies and all that other kind of stuff. And it's, it's great uh, camaraderie, just like you guys have with, with uh, so many you have in the newspaper game. I've seen both of you guys when we're uh, on the board there for the, the dominating committee for the Texas sports hall of fame and, and getting a chance to commiserate with, with old writing, uh, sports writing friends. Same thing with play-by-play guys. They were the same way. Yeah, I want to get into that Hall of Fame thing in a second. Uh, I was talking to Dan Zangrilli, uh, the West Virginia broadcasting director, and he says their color guy is staying at home, that he does the broadcast from Morgantown. So he's not next to the play-by-play guy. So, you know, you and Roger have been together physically every game, right? Can you imagine – you know, if y'all weren't in the same building. Well, I'll tell you this too, Kirk, there may be more of this coming with basketball. Basketball is still very much in a state of flux as to how things are going. We know for a fact that we will not be allowed to go to Asheville to do the Maui invitation in Asheville. That's a North Carolina department of health regulation thing. So, uh, so we're going to be actually broadcasting uh, from an area, a, a studio, just like, you know, like so many of the ones are doing it. When um, I, I know that when Dan Shulman did the World Series on ESPN Radio, he was in the studio in Bristol when he did, when he did the World Series. And there's a lot of that happening. We've yeah. been fortunate in that we've been able to travel and do football, but with some elements of basketball, it depends on the school the arena, and I think the Big 12 Conference is still figuring out some of its protocols mm. with what's going to happen with road basketball, although I do think all the schools in the Big 12 are putting in their protocols to make it possible. I know the University of Texas has a big plexiglass um, stalls, if you will, courtside, mm-hmm. where we're going to be uh, right. across from the benches to call games. So there's, there's, there's adjustments to be made. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I'm 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 really interested to hear um, 
how, how they do that color guys sitting in front of a television. Yeah. What yeah. if, what if Kirk, I mean, Craig, you're, 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 you broadcasted all your life. What about that three or four second delay between live television and zoom or whatever? Well, the, the key to that, and this is where the technology comes in said is the feeds that you are getting from the arena and, and, Supposedly, a lot of these things are in play to where you're hearing it in real time. And I have one example to go on with this, and it was Shaka Smart's first game. Remember where that was? Shanghai. <laughs> and, 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 and originally, I was slated to go there because Steve Patterson at the time wanted me to go to China and do that game as opposed to going to Morgantown and doing the football game. And um, and then after Steve Patterson wasn't there anymore, then uh, Mike Perrin called me and said, "Do you do, are are you dying to go to Shanghai?" And I said, "No." And he said, "Would you would you rather go to Morgantown?" And I said, "Mike, they're both foreign countries, so I, I'm fine in either case." But but, you know, it, but uh, in that case, what I did was I actually called the basketball game from the home radio booth at Milan Puskar Stadium in Morgantown, the West Virginia football broadcast booth. They had it set up, and they sent us live audio feed coming from Shanghai. And it was in real time. We could hear before the game started, we could hear Bruno Mars going through the uh, music, going through the uh, speakers. So we got all of that. We had the shoe squeaks. We had the sound effects. We had. They thought of everything except one thing. The monitor they gave it they gave us to call it off was, was a 15-inch non-HD monitor. So wow. I'm, looking at, I'm looking at Snoop Roach for the first time and a couple other guys, and they had similar haircuts, and I'm <laughs> squinting and trying to read that. So it was more about the visual than it was the audio, but they made a lot of, uh, of the, the technological advances to where you get uh, the audio feeds coming in, and that's that's pretty cool, and I think – now, we've already been promised that ESPN is sending uh, real-time audio feeds and effects feeds to us so that for that Maui Invitational in Asheville, at least we'll be able to have all the audio in real time. I, I wish I had known all of this back then, Craig, because I, I would have I found you online because I was in a restaurant that night in Pittsburgh, and Bill Walton was brutal that night. He was horrible. <laughs> He's, he's something else. I, 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 um, I visited with him when he came down to work the Kansas game. And I always remembered this when Texas played Kansas. I always remembered that when he played his senior year at UCLA, and Kirk, you'll remember this as well, they lost to North Carolina State in the Final Four that year, which was in Greensboro, uh, where, my hometown. And uh, they got beat in the semifinal in double overtime when North Carolina State had David Thompson and that great team that beat Marquette for the national championship. A lot of people thought that they played UCLA for the title. It was in the semifinal. And my dad had tickets. Like I said, I grew up in Greensboro. My dad had tickets to that game. He took my uncle. He wouldn't take me because I was a Carolina fan. So he (laughs) – but my dad always told this story about early in the game that seven-foot, four-inch Tom Burleson, the NC State center, does a sky hook over Walton, and they go back down the floor, and Walton flips him the bird. My dad had baseline seats, so he saw it clear as day. So that was in my mind. And when I was talking to Bill about it, I said, Bill, 
can I can I ask you a question? I said, sure you can, Craig. Ask your question. <laughs> and I said, so I recount the story. 1974, Final Four, NC State. Oh, you bring up a painful memory. Yeah, I know, Bill, but this and this and this. And my dad swears, my dad swears that he saw you flip off uh, Tom Burleson after Burleson did the hook over you. And he goes, oh, I'd like to think I was a better person than that. <laughs> and then he paused and said, but your dad is probably Oh, right. my God. So that's a great – that with Bill Walton. That's a great redhead. Oh, my God. That's that's great. Awesome. You know, one thing I've always wondered is your prep for game, Craig. I mean, people – I hope people, Longhorn fans in particular, appreciate you. They do. It, you're so good at what you do, Craig, that when I'm at home and Cedric's in the press box, you know, I'll watch the TV and put uh, you and Roger on my uh, earphones. And uh, Me too, just, me too. You're so calm Praise. and succinct, and you give all the perfect information. You can just see it in your mind. And uh, I just hope people appreciate, you know, what a great job you do. And well, I, I was – that, that, that's awful nice of you to say, Kirk, and it's high praise, and people are very kind to me. Uh, the, 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 I had two great mentors and teachers, uh, one in college, Bill Mercer, who, of course, uh, you know, a lot of folks said, now we're joking, is probably best known for his days of, of hanging with Yvonne Erickson and hosting world-class championship wrestling, but he was also the Cowboys play-by-play announcer, did the Ice Bowl in the 60s. He was the Rangers' first play-by-play voice. He uh, was uh, did worked uh, did the White Sox for a couple of years with Harry Carey. Uh, he was a great news reporter. Was in the Dallas the jail basement the day that when uh, when um, uh, Jack Ruby shot Lee Harvey Oswald. And so he's he's a great reporter. I had him as a mentor and teacher. And then Brad Chan was my boss for seven years, and Love I learned it. a great deal about him uh, from him on uh, just as I did from Bill on identifying the proper amount of things on a football field or on a basketball court or on the baseball field about location, uh, placement of things, you know, even just to the nearest, the, the things where they would tell me, don't give me near and far when you're saying receivers are split out far radio people listening. It's hard to distinguish near and far. If you say left and right, a person can visualize it a little right. bit. And that's why I'll say, moving left to right as you picture it in your mind's eye across your radio dial. Not Which that we have I radio dials anymore. That's one of the most underrated things that some radio guys do. I, I mean, because I'm driving in the car, and when you say that, I immediately it, – it pops into my head, oh, this is where they are. Yeah. Because yeah. I always wonder, are they going left yeah. to right or right to left? I just love that. It's our job. If, 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 if I'm painting whatever, people say you paint the picture, whatever – it, it means quite simply doing a job in the way and do the way that you guys bring out imagery in your words, in your stories. And, you know, I'll, I'll read stuff from both of you out. I couldn't have, I, there's no way I could have thought to put it that way. And what you guys do and putting it that way is, is tremendous, but that's our jobs. It's, yeah. it's a, that's what we were trained to do. You know, I had a, a guy telling me who was a construction foreman one time, he goes, man, I could never do what you do. And I said, you know what? And I could never do what you do. I could <laughs> never corral 12 guys to make sure that backhoe could cleared off that area so that they could put that post in for that building. Uh, we all have our, our gifts and, and talents and, and interests and things of that nature. And, and uh, hopefully, you know, we were, we're fortunate enough and dedicated enough to put them to good use. 
Is there is there one thing that you do? I, I don't know if you memorize the entire roster numbers. I mean, you you and Roger know things so quick and are able to point things out so quick. I just wondered how much prep you must do before a game, Craig. Well, I mean, there's a lot of reading. Obviously, the game notes are there, and that's a big part of it. Also, uh, I'm pretty reliant on my broadcast charts that my son Andy uh, has has prepared. Uh, he prepares. It's it's our own little contractual agreement there that he's been doing. He's been doing it since he was a teenager, and he likes doing it. And he's my spotter, and he's a really good spotter as well. Uh, but but the boards are a big part of it. the broadcast boards, the charts. I, I always put pictures of them on social media because our broadcast company asks us to do it, and I get asked about them a lot. And folks say, "Well, I said it's whatever works best for people." Uh, I remember one play-by-play guy came up to me during the NCAA tournament. And he looked at my chart and he goes, wow, I, I could never do that. And I said, let me ask you something. What do you do for yours? He goes, oh, I can't show you mine. And I said, sure, you can show it. And it was basically a couple of legal pads and he had it written down. And I said, let me ask you this. Does it work for you? Do you, do you recognize the guys? And he goes, yeah. And I said, then don't worry about it. You don't have to have bells and whistles and this and that and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, Andy puts them in team colors and logos and stuff. That's his own personal touch. He likes that. Uh, mm-hmm. But if I had to do with that, I could do without it. Um, but, you know, it's whatever works. It's whatever uh, sure. whatever tools work. Like, you know, Kirk, from all the years and all the great sports writers, the Blackie Sherrods and, and Dan Jenkins of the world, they might have their old typewriters and, and all that. But whatever worked, and being able to crank out the product. That was the thing. Greg, I want you to know when we see you, when we're both at a game with you the next time, I want you to come over and, and look at my pad that I write on and Kirk's. My, <laughs> the, the letters on my pad are, are as big as this computer screen. I mean, I write big letters. And, and Kirk's are minuscule. You can't even see. He, he, he could use one yellow legal pad for like two seasons of football. I mean, he writes so tiny. And I think it's funny, sometimes he can't see what the, what it says. And I was like, so why are you doing that way? I got used to seeing Kirk hold it in the crook of his arm, the, the, the legal pad, like when we have media availabilities and writing it with the glasses down off the nose like that, looking like a true scribe. You know, um, it's funny you say that. I mentioned our, our good friend Rod Babers, uh, who, who does the afternoon show. Rod – uh, is is so in tune with a lot of modern things. But when it comes to his prep for a show and he preps, seriously, he doesn't have it built into the laptop or mm-hmm. notes call up easily like, like I do or some of the others. It's all written out long form, pages. He has wow. pages of it. And we used to say, if you want to find Rod in the radio station – Follow the scraps of paper around the road. So he's got it, and it's in, and it's in really hieroglyphical form. You couldn't read any yeah, of it. Tell. it Remember, it we dropped. did that show together, and he'd come yeah. in with this tablet, with this spiral notebook, and it's just – and then That's it. if you listen closely to the show, you could hear the – you could hear him turning the pages. I'm like, Rob, <laughs> keep that – Keep the tablet away from the microphone. <laughs> they can hear you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you talk about somebody that's into the analytics. Oh, he is. He is captain deep dive. Oh yeah. Uh, he can, he can dive into that stuff and he can come up. Uh, he always likes to call. He always likes to talk about as he says, sifting through the detritus. Well, the first thing he does is he puts the detritus on the table and then he kind of claws his way through it to get to some of those, you know, some of those analytical numbers, which sometimes and quite often might tell the story. I joke with him sometimes. I, 
But that, that number doesn't, you know, I, I, I'll take a Mark Twain approach, lies, mm-hmm. damn lies, and statistics mm-hmm. sometimes on, on some of that. But, uh, but he does. He does a real deep dive. I think he should be a coach. I mean, I've told yeah. him, I've told, I said, Rod, Rod, you sound like a, a coach. I know you know what you're talking about. You were an All-American player. You are one of the better people people that I've ever been around. Rod Babers never met a stranger. You nope. won't you if you're looking for someone to say something bad about Robbie, you're gonna be looking for a while. So he would be <laughs> a great recruiter. He would be a, a a great coach in a locker room. Young people love him. Uh he he would definitely um he would definitely went over the mamas in those yeah. living rooms. He would. Yeah. I just think that Rob Rob Babers is a great radio guy. Don't get me wrong. Yep. But I think Rob Babers could be an NFL assistant coach somewhere. I think so. And, and I know that he's been – folks have visited with him about it in the past, and it didn't, really, it didn't really interest him enough. But I think maybe somewhere down the road he might have an interest because I, I do think he would be outstanding as a tremendous. coach. Tremendous. He'd be tremendous. You guys mentioned Bill Mercer. And uh, uh, people that don't know that Craig and Cedric and I are on the Texas Sports Hall of Fame a selection committee every year. And Bill Mercer is one of those that we recently voted to induct in the next class of Hall of Fame uh, media members. And then Craig will be in the next class if said not have anything to do with it. But uh, I was wondering your memories of Bill Mercer and maybe any little thing you took from him uh, to help you in your career, Craig? Yeah, he um... – he, uh, in, in a lot of ways, he was kind of like a second father to me. He, uh, he taught me a lot about broadcasting, but he also taught me a lot about how you handle yourself as a broadcaster when you're on the road and don't make a fool of yourself and, uh, you know, and, and, and don't do things that would embarrass the team you, you cover or broadcast for, things like that. One of the things that I was always grateful to him for is, uh, when I look back on it, I, I mentioned that he was – the voice of world-class championship wrestling all those years. Well, um, I used to go and hang out in his, in his office there in the early eighties when I was at North Texas and just try to soak in as much as I could about football or basketball or play-by-play or this or that. And one day I was in his office and this young lady comes in, it's a student and she was interning and he said, okay, uh, you be, uh, meet me down at the sportatorium. We're going to do this and we'll set this up in this interview. And then we got Kerry Von Eric and then we'll do this. And, uh, you know, we got the, the great Putz, Ivan Putzky. We got all this stuff. So the Polish power. <laughs> yeah. So he was naming all these things and then she leaves and I've just looked at him and he said, what, what's wrong? And I said, I'm just disappointed because he, he had always said that he was grooming me for the, the great things and this and that. And I said, I'm just kind of disappointed you didn't ask me to do that. And he said, listen, I want you as far away from there as possible. (laughs) It was a circus. (laughs) Yeah. He said, you don't need to be anywhere near that environment and atmosphere. So I laughed about it later, I thought, but he was, he was kind of looking out for me. So he was, he was that and, and a great broadcaster and a great grasp of history. And uh, he was, he was tremendous to be around. I know people make fun of wrestling, Kirk, but I got to tell you this. And Craig, Craig knows this. When, when you talk about the precursor to some of the stuff we watch today on live sports, camera angles, and uh, they had different camera angles for the first time in a, in a wrestling event, instant replay in professional wrestling. None of that stuff was ever happening until Bill Mercer 
shows up to, to work for Jack Atkinson, AKA uh, Fritz von Erich. That, that show was a, was a huge pioneering show. Anything you watch today in sports, world-class was doing it before anybody else. Yeah, he had, and, and uh, he wasn't afraid to try anything. There's this great photo of him. Of, I don't even remember who the wrestler was. I, I don't think it was Andre the Giant, it was, although he'd done stuff with him. But it, it was one of the one of the who's got him completely up. And Bill's not a tall guy. He's about five six or so, maybe five seven. And but this wrestler has him completely deadlifted. <laughs> and he just flat out, and Bill's got a microphone in his hand there. I mean, he was he was game for trying about anything. You would see him doing an interview with maybe one of the Freebirds or something, and then one of them would get and say, "Let me tell you something. I'm the champ of the world, <laughs> and I'm tired of all this stuff." And then he would turn to Bill and he goes, "And I'm getting tired of you too, first you know? And Bill would just go with the flow, and it was just great. It was just great television. That wrestler, I believe, was Big John Stud. Who was I think like, you're right. Who was That's like right. 6'10". I remember that yeah. photo. I remember yeah. that photo. Yeah. I know Kurt's dying. Yeah. He's dying. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love these stories. I love these stories. Uh, They're awesome. Well, oh, Kurt, you would, being the baseball fan that you are, and like I am, and like I said, now I can die peaceful since my team, the Dodgers, finally won another World Series. There you go. I was going to get to that. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, Bill – you know, for years before he did a major league baseball, before he did the Cowboys, he did minor league baseball in Dallas, Fort Worth, the old Dallas, Fort Worth Spurs and the Dallas, Fort Worth Rangers. He did them. And he also did, he did the Ronald Reagan thing, the Dutch Reagan thing. He did recreations. And so you'd wow. have the, the crack of that. And he would do it off the Western Union teletype when the Dallas, Fort wow. Worth team was, was playing in Amarillo or something. And he said he had a great sound engineer and, 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 and Amarillo hit at the ballpark. Uh, had a, a Potter County ballpark was near railroad tracks and the engineer would kind of fade in railroad whistles off in the distance. He said he kind of <laughs> went beyond the pale when they were in Albuquerque, when the broadcast was coming from Albuquerque, which was situated near a zoo and the guys started mixing in lion roars. They said, that's a little much, you know, but uh, so he cut his teeth doing that and doing wrestling on the radio there out of Muskogee, Oklahoma in wow. the uh, early 1950s. Wow, that's amazing. I don't know how you celebrated the Dodger uh, uh, World Series championship, but I thought about you. I did, too. I did, too. I, I, I got to go to game to... one, and, yes. and it was tremendous. And uh, uh, nice. my girlfriend Linda and I are both – She, I, I kind of proselytized her into being a Dodger fan. <laughs> but uh, she loves Max Muncie and, and said, you'll remember when Max was playing at Baylor. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I think we were there one one night when he hit a ball into the Brazos. He was, he was something else. But even when Max was at Baylor, uh, I remember them saying they didn't really have a position for him. He DH'd to his credit. He learned to play first base. He learned to play second base, and even a little bit of outfield when he got when he got to the big leagues. Uh, but um, it, it was fun. We got to go to game one, and and I went to game two of the NLCS. It was good to be in a ballpark again. It was good nice. to have fans around, and that ballpark is really cool. Uh, but it was it was it was good just to, to to have a feeling of being at a baseball game again. Yeah, I haven't not been inside their new stadium there with the Rangers. And they said they never bring a World Series to the Rangers. I mean, what? Too soon. <laughs> Too soon. Too I soon. I covered that Cardinal Series. So, uh, anyway, I, one of the last questions I want to ask you, Craig, is, is there anything you want to call? Is there any uh, dream ambition to call a – I don't know, Indy 500, uh, uh, Kentucky Derby. Is there anything Olympics. on your bucket list? All those things would be great. 
But I've often said the two things that would make my life complete is if I could learn to call a square dance and an, and be in an, an auction. <laughs> a dosey do They both require elocutionary skill, and Whoa. I'm a fan of it. So if I could learn to, you know, and I could probably learn a square dance pretty easy. Alaman left, you know, you could probably do that. But uh, auctioneering takes a talent too. So if I could learn to do those things, that would probably uh, that would probably make me feel like I've come full circle. That's, let's, that's so let's, funny. Hold on, Doug. Let's okay. hear your best auctioneer. Give us 10 seconds of auctioneer. Craig Way is an auctioneer. Okay, okay. Hey, well, give me five, five, five. Do I hear him? 15, 15, 15. Over there, down by down, I need a 20, 20, 20, 20, 25, 30, 30, 35. You know, you, you, I, I, but I know there's a skill to it involved. Yeah. So I've gotta, I, I would have to learn that, but I would like to learn that. And, I, and, and again, I, if I could do that, and call a square dance, then I think my broadcasting career is complete. Duck, they had, uh, I don't remember which show it was, but Rod came up with the idea of having Craig Way uh, read rap lyrics, I think, on one of the shows. Craig Way recites hip-hop. Yeah, Craig Way (laughs) recites hip-hop. And when I tell you, I almost ran off the highway one day listening to that. It is, Uh, that is some of the funniest. Was that when I was doing... uh, Tops drop from uh, Fat Pat or going back to Cali. Back to Cali was doing it that. It was LL back to Cali with LL Cool J. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah, that's yeah. a very lyrical. And to hear you read it so deadpan. Oh, my God. That's so great. I told Rod, I, I, I got go, that's that. great stuff. I got that, that particular style from the late, uh, great Phil Hartman, who on a Saturday Night Live skit was doing Charlton Heston reads Madonna. Oh, my God. I'm having a little trouble at the top of the page. <laughs> so, that's it. you know, you just you, you play along with it, have fun with it. I had a great time doing it. Oh, you man. know, Cliff Gustafson once told me if he wasn't going to be a baseball coach, he wanted to be an auctioneer. He used to go to those when they'd auction off the cattle. And I could see him beat. doing that. Yeah, oh, I could man. too. That's a skill I cannot even contemplate. So, uh you got a second career and then a third career with square dancing after that. So uh, I think your future is pretty well secure, Craig. <laughs> like where I am, if things work out to do some of that other stuff, or, you know, I got asked an awful lot. If you didn't with big 12 play by play guys, we also did a zoom uh, once that we did. And we said, if you were not a play by play guy, what would you be doing? What would your career be? And it, uh-huh. it were pretty interesting answers. Toby Rowland, the voice of Oklahoma Sooners, said he'd be a preacher because his dad was. John uh-huh. Morris, who does the Baylor Bears, said he'd probably be a minister. There were different ones. I always said I thought I'd be a history teacher. Really? Right? You know, at wow. high school and college, all that. I'm a huge history buff and, and uh, a heavy-duty uh, American and world history, and I always – always thought that, that, that if I were not in, involved in, in sports and broadcasting, I'd probably want to be a, a, a history teacher of some sort. Yeah. yeah, one of my favorite football coaches and baseball coach was a history teacher, so I'm there. Well, you haven't been back to Carolinas, have you, since the pandemic? Uh, last summer. Uh, I yeah. went over the summer, and we were able to socially distance and, and uh, was there, um, there on the beach because it's on an island anyway, and she can get there, and we rent a little house and, and do that. So, uh, and, and, you I sit, and you sit on, on the porch, and you drink your whiskey? Uh, yes, I do. You know, <laughs> uh, uh, yes, absolutely. Uh, the occasional cigar and eat entirely too much seafood and uh, North Carolina pork barbecue. No, oh, that sounds good right now, doesn't it? That it does. I miss well, that. This has been awesome. This has been awesome. Man, well, Craig, thanks for coming on and entertaining yeah. us. Man. It's been beautiful. 
Hey, you guys, you guys have been great coming on our program. I know said we had a great and meaningful conversation during uh, all the, uh, the, the the social uh, injustice and the social activism oh, yeah. that was going on over the summer. And I appreciated that. And, and uh, you know, everything that was happening with the University of Texas at the time. So, um, yeah, I'm always indebted to you guys as well. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun when you just sit and talk in this yeah. kind of format about a lot of kind of an unplugged kind of format or in our case unhinged that's what we do we do it every week we are unplugged unhinged and probably unlistened to but we're going to keep on recording podcasts craig unexpurgated like benny hill right <laughs> all we need is that music <laughs> hey man we appreciate it craig my pleasure great to be on with you guys Thanks, all right bro. take care bye-bye on second thought Crime lovers are always looking for new and engaging content. The Already Gone podcast covers stories from Michigan and the Great Lakes region. Cases you haven't heard before, like the Mayo Hunters or the murder of 16-year-old Justin Mello, plus better-known cases like the death of Jane Bashara and Illinois' own Lori Dan. Already Gone started in 2016, so there is a big back catalog for you to enjoy. Find Already Gone on Apple Podcasts, Good Pods, or your favorite podcatcher. That will do it for episode 199 of On Second Thought. We have to thank the legendary voice of the Longhorns, Craig Way, for joining us. For the Duck Kirk Bowls, I'm Cedric Golden. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to On Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com. Join Seth and Kirk every Thursday at lunch for a new episode. Archived episodes are available on iTunes and Google Android Play.